Hi, welcome to the Flywheel Film Show. From the rad slopes of Colorado, I am Jordan. And tuning in from under a 10-gallon hat in Dallas, Texas, I'm Austin. And I'm Justin of Nashville, Tennessee, where it goes from 75 to 30 degrees between lunch and dinner. Tonight, you won't believe Austin reaction to breaking car news, hashtag a bunch of asterisks emotional. And we debate the ultimate car for a sweet 16. And I literally don't know how I survived the drive to get here. Uh, but first, yes, the news. We have real news. Oh, we do have real news. Yeah, this is embargoed information. For those of you who don't know what embargoed means, it basically means uh, those of us in the automotive journalist industry, which, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, we're so cool. We get information before the rest of the country, you plebs. And uh, we have to hold on to it until a certain time, until the embargo lifts. So it's an embargo on information, if you will. So Hyundai released today, or relatively shortly before this, I don't know when this podcast is coming out, details on the new Ionic Q5 uh, and some of its pricing. And I also believe... Can you say Ionic Q? Can we just pause for a second? Isn't it just the Ionic? Yeah, it's, it's pronounced Ionic, but we're going to, you know... <laughs> <laughs> this is why Justin writes. Yeah, I was saying, hard talks. yeah. Mike just told me to write about it. He didn't ask me to uh, pronounce it. So the Ionic <laughs> Five, the Ionic with a Q Five, uh, <laughs> has some pricing information. Uh, is it spelled any other way? Though? <laughs> I don't know. I'm actually not sure. Well, so, yeah, least- Justin, what does the price start at? Let's jump straight into it. People are wondering. Yeah, let's uh, jump right into it after Ionic five Q minutes of banter. And sometimes why? Um, so, <laughs> revealed pricing and packaging. So, the U.S. is going to get a 58 kilowatt hour battery pack option for the Ionic Five. Uh, that's in addition to the other one. I think was 77.4 kilowatt hours, and it'll come with that's two the big boy. That's right. It'll come with two electric motor layouts, either rear motor only, or you can get front motor for all wheel drive. Uh, they are utilizing their new eGMP platform, which I think is like global manufacturing platform, something like that. Um, but it's it's very similar to like Tesla's and the um, the Ultium platform. It's that skateboard uh, where the battery packs on the bottom and laid out flat, and the motors on either side. So we've seen that before. Nothing special about it, but the pricing is also not special, but it's here and it's new. So let's talk about it. Um, so you can get, they have three different trim levels, either the SE, the SEL, or Limited. Um, the SE, the information as far as we have, it seems like that is the only one that comes with the standard range battery pack from this matri- matrix that I'm looking at here. So you can get the SE with the standard range as the most basic model. Starting price, 39700 Now keep in mind that Hyundai still uh, gets that federal tax credit. So you can re- if you um, apply, then you can get $7,500 reduced on your taxes. That's not up front, though, so you're going to be paying that $39,000 states, A lot of states have their own as well. But, yeah. So yeah, you, you could potentially get it. Very cheap, and that is cheaper than I expected it to enter the market in. Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> and let's remember this is, is a CUV. I want to talk, so, go ahead. No. I want to talk for a second about the the trim levels that they announced because I can't decide if I'm 
over the moon that they didn't go with something super silly. I'm looking at you, Fisker, for <laughs> the different trim levels and, and the names. Or if I'm just happy that they just went with their normal SE, SEL, yes. limited. Yes. But it always makes me laugh because SE is like stands for special edition, right? Well, but that's the base. Yeah. Well, I just, I isn't that how Ford is, Ford does that too? Don't they? Yeah. Here's the thing. I mean, we so on another episode where we have more time, we will do a whole debate on trim level nomenclature because I have a lot to say on that. But <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll make it a three hour special only on trim level nomenclature. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I I don't know. Like I guess it it makes sense to keep it though because it you know a lot of people who buy new to market electric cars are actually brand loyalists so they have a Hyundai before they're happy with it because objectively Hyundai makes good products now um, whether or not they did 15 years ago they're good their current products are good um, but the EGMP platform is interesting so for those who don't know the Hyundai Ionic Five the Kia EV6 and the Genesis GV60 are all built on the same platform, the eGMP that Justin mentioned. Um, but each brand is doing their own tuning to the chassis and battery control units and motors and um, suspension tuning. So it's, it's all going to be slightly different, but for most people it'll feel similar, which is nice. That means you can kind of cross-shop based on brand offerings, trim levels, and looks, which are most looks important. and interior are going to be huge. Correct. Yeah. And I think Ionic 5 looks fantastic. It reminds me of if I bought one, I would dress it up to look like a Lancia Integrale, Lancia Delta Integrale. There you go. And have a great time. I think the the uh, Ionic 5 is going to be for those that love like the retro look that really want to embrace being different in an electric car. The EV6 is going to be for people that just want an EV that looks pretty cool. And then the GV60 is going to be for those that like really want like a premium product. I think that and, bl- and they're blind. <laughs> yes. Um, because I, I, I don't know how you could pick anything over the Ionic 5 in this on the EGMP platform because it's just so cool. But I don't know. I guess I, I guess I could see it. And it doesn't quite get the best range because it is so boxy. Um, the EPA, uh, EPA. Uh, estimates for the range came out not too long ago, I think earlier this week. Um, and it was like five or six miles less on each battery um, from the Ionic compared to the EV6 purely because of drag coefficient and how boxy <laughs> the Ionic is, uh, which I would give up in a heartbeat, but I know there's some diehard range fanatics out there. Which And that's fine, I will say, because the EGMP cars seem to charge really well they have great yep. charging curves they're very road trippable and we're going to find out soon firsthand we should actually have forest on the podcast because forest is going to be driving one from um la to dallas uh so austin you'll have to maybe we could have him on honestly while he's there yeah. um yeah. but it's uh it'll be interesting to see how that trip goes because he'll be one of the first if not the first in the u.s to actually road trip it and he'll basically use the Electrify America network to get between locations. And it seems to charge pretty well. Kyle had the EV6 over in Europe. 
um, and did a bunch of charging with that. And he was thoroughly impressed. And he was actually just down in San Diego at the Ionic 5 event um, a couple of days ago doing its driving impressions. And so um, check out that video on Out of Spec Reviews because I think those are still under embargo. But once it's up, that'll be out of embargo and see how it drives. But so, I think it's good. So he was impressed with the with the charging capabilities because they were really touting that in this press release while I was yeah. taking a look at it. They are saying that it should be able to fast charge from 10 to 80% in just 18 minutes. Um, I believe using... Um, 800 volt multi charging system, which I I believe is similar to I, I think that's similar to Porsche actually to the Taycan. It is, yeah. 800 volt is just like Taycan, which honestly everything should go 800 volt, and I'm sure Tesla will soon. Um, so it's it's always surprising when a brand new to market car doesn't have um 800 volt. So yeah. I'm also interested to see if Forrest actually gets the range that Hyundai is saying that he should be getting out of the Ionic. Um, yeah. The the base basic level, which this is interesting. I'm I'm guessing just because of the smaller uh, battery pack, they're getting they're getting less power out of the rear motor. But that that SE standard range, 168 horsepower, 220 miles of estimated range. The next step up is going to be the SE, but it's going to have the big boy battery. That's 225 horsepower and 303 miles of range. And then if you opt for any trim that has the dual motor, you're going to get 320 horsepower, but your range is going to be reduced to 256, according to these numbers. Which that horsepower and range is better than the um, Volkswagen ID4, which I think mm-hmm. will be cross-shopped with this. Um, Very similar price point, yeah. Yeah, so I'm really interested in that because until up to this point, if people are just like, oh, I want an electric car, or even if they don't specify electric, I will typically suggest ID4 um, because it's it's genuinely a good car. It's not particularly enthusiast or super interesting, but it does um, – I actually just wrote an article about this on Swerve Autos, just how the ID4 is like the new people's car. It captures what the original Beetle captured as far as it's relatively affordable. They just made it for pretty much it to work with anyone's habits. They didn't even use a front trunk. They have it set so there's no <clears throat> one pedal driving by default because they know people are coming from gas cars into an electric car and they want an easy transition wherever possible. So, so wait, even the charging port is right by where the gas cap usually is. It can still do one pedal driving, but that isn't the default setting. Is that what you're saying? Oh, so yeah, <clears throat> the default setting is not one pedal driving, and then you just press drive the drive selector again, and it will do brake mode, which okay. is sort of like one pedal driving, but not fully. It won't come to a full stop. Okay. Um, unless you're in like adaptive cruise control mode. Sure. Um, but it's it's such a good car for so many things. It's not the best at anything, and it also doesn't really suck at anything. It's just sure. it just is. Just yeah. I, a few things. I think Hyundai is doing a really, Hyundai Kia is doing a really good job of hitting all the specs that impress people because the range numbers getting that over that 300 mile mark means a lot to people that know nothing about EVs. Yeah. Because they see over 300 miles and they think that's pretty, that's pretty equatable to a tank of gas. Yep. But they're also impressing the EV enthusiasts with the charge numbers of uh that what that 10 to 80 percent in 18 minutes right um they're they're kind of hitting it in both the the 
the new to EV crowd along with the EV crowd. Yeah, because that 18 minutes, when you think about it, if you go to a gas station, like, okay, sure, does it still only technically take five minutes for you to fill up? Yes, but you've gone inside, used the restroom, got a bag of chips, got yourself, you know, a big 64-ounce, you know, slushy, and that's taking you 10. And so what's, <clears throat> another, what's another eight minutes to wait for your vehicle to charge enough to get you to the next charging point, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely massive. And, and Jordan, I want to talk a little bit more about the ID4 to uh, Ionic direct comparison. Does Volkswagen still have the uh, tax credit in play? And if you were looking at purely federal tax credit, no state credit, um, what would that price comparison look like between Ionic and ID4 at the base <clears throat> trim levels? Uh, base is identical. Base trim is identical pricing. And tax credits, yeah, they still have the tax credit. So it would be really good, fair comparison to Cross Shop. Um, Justin, is their pricing uh, released on the all-wheel drive Ionic 5? Yes. So all-wheel drive um, SE. Like what's the l- – <coughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, what's the, the all-wheel drive the, SE? The least amount you could spend on an all-wheel drive Ionic 5 is 47150 before federal tax credits. That's also not including taxes, fees, freight charges, and all that. So you're still going to spend over forty grand for all-wheel drive when it's all said and done. But that's what you're looking at. So that's still really comparable to ID4. So um, Ionic Five <clears throat> across the board has better charging than the comparable ID4, or sorry, better range and better charging. Um, but the horsepower is technically less on the rear-wheel drive only, but more on the all-wheel drive. Um, and it just looks so much better. I kind of wonder uh, how much that's going to matter, though. Because, I mean, for most people, it's like it, the horsepower isn't a big deal because they you still get yeah. that instant torque. And for most people, yeah, it's, it's, it's not... going to be probably far more quick off the line than the, what, the Touareg they're coming right, from. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, that, and that's what Volkswagen compares the Touareg to. Like, si- when people are like, how big is the ID4? They're like, ah, you know, the Touareg, yeah, just, it's, pretty, it's pretty much like that. Yeah. Um, which is funny. Does Hyundai have one of those for the Ionic? Would that be what the maybe the Seltos? So I don't know. The sportage. Um, maybe I need to look at interior dimensions as far as storage capacity. Because what's interesting about the Ionic Five is, in photos, it looks smaller than it actually is, and that's a it's, that's a a what do you call it? A tr- it's like a mind trick. Because you see the the car has such a long wheelbase. It's a longer wheelbase than the Palisade. Think about that. Really? Three their three row SUV is a shorter wheelbase than this little hatchback. And I did it's not, not know that. It's not little. It is smaller than the Palisade, but that's because the wheels are so much closer to the back and to the front. Um, so it looks smaller than it actually is. When you see it in person, it's actually pretty big. The front seats, great space. The back seats, great space. And the front seats recline even the driver's seat reclines and you have even a thing that pops up for your legs to lay on so the idea is while you're charging you can literally power nap um but what's funny is it actually lets you do that while you're driving (laughs) (laughs) which i don't know how that's legal Um, (laughs) probably not but there's probably you have to sign a waiver before you get in the car yeah don't nap but um yeah yeah so i'm i'm very intrigued by all the egmp cars i think they're going to be some of the best new EVs to market, and I don't think people are fully realizing that yet. And like, yeah, like Austin said, most people don't care about power, 
And even range is not a big deal. Most people would be fine with 150, 200 miles of I think, range. I think for an EV to be competitive and be enough to get people to sway from the gas car they're yeah. coming from, being over that 200-mile mark is important for a city person, and being over the 300-mile mark is important for somebody who road trips. Just from my experience in the past of selling Teslas, that 300-mile mark was huge for a lot of people. And I yeah. remember when the Model 3 was like announced to have over 300 miles, a lot of people said that's what got them in the door to begin with. Yeah. But yeah, I agree, Jordan. I think it's more than enough for anybody who's considering. Yeah. I think that if people start taking a look at it, I think that rear rear-wheel drive SE will be the hot ticket because the standard range, really, you don't get as much um, with it. But Hyundai's putting a lot of standard features in uh, in their car. So it's not like you necessarily need to get the SEL or the Limited to get the really, really nice stuff. You still get forward collision avoidance, lane-keeping assist, and all these other fun things. Auto flush door handles, which I didn't even realize that there was a toilet in this car. So... Um, <laughs> well, I, and Justin, I wish... that's a... go, go ahead, ahead, Jordan. No, go ahead because I have a segue. Uh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> there's Paul Bart over here with a segue. <laughs> um, so cool segue. Um, so yet last thing, and Jordan is a perfect testament to this. Justin, I wholeheartedly agree. I think the rear wheel drive. I, I'm like bummed that Tesla no longer sells the long range yeah. rear wheel drive Model Three because I think that's a really, really solid package for most people. Because if you have a, a good weight distribution in a car, yep. not only is that a really fun, dynamic, exactly. and interesting car to drive, yep. but if you get the right tires on there, you're going to be okay in nearly any driving yep. conditions. Um, that paired with the fact that EVs typically will have a little bit better traction control because the motor sits on the axle. There's no uh, driveline lag there. Yep. Um, so they can adjust torque to wheels and cut power a lot more quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah, Jordan is a testament to this because if you've seen his Instagram, at ghosty.miata, there's a whole lot of pictures of him riding around in Denver in snow with winter tires because the Miata does have, what, perfect 50-50, right, in the NC? Yep, yeah. Yep. Just try doing that and, in summer tires. How about that? <laughs> and then the the EVs, I don't know if the, the numbers have come out yet on the weight distribution on the EGMP platform, but it's got to be similar because where the battery's at. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I just returned from all that car stuff in California, um, and that was quite the trip. So like a brilliant geniuses we are, me and Kyle left California at 1 p.m. Um, in L.A., um, and Let's... we had a... Well, it was it was supposed was, to be a sixteen hour drive. What's really more because Kyle was like at midnight, it was like, Hey, by the way, we need to go film this car we've had for the past seven days. Yeah, yeah. He was like, We gotta film the R S six Avant. And I was like, you know, I'm not gonna complain, but I was like, Oh, you mean the car we've had this entire week? Uh and could have filmed like ten times. Yeah, so we filmed that, but it was fun. We got to hang out with Forrest. Um Forrest had the Golf R, so it was kind of similar cars from Sister cousin, it's like a like a cool uncle with his cool nephew. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, very cool family it's like time. The uncle um, that still smokes cigarettes with the nephew that vapes, vapes a lot. Yeah, <laughs> true. Uh, so we took those up Ortega Canyon, which if you're in the LA area, go up that canyon, especially when it's hazy and cloudy, because it looks like Jurassic Park. 
um, dreamy road for sure. But yeah, no. So we left at 1 p.m., dropped the RS6 off, piled in the Miata. So context, I drove the Miata out um, and I was gone for about a month. So I had a month worth of stuff and camera equipment, all my clothes. Um, so, you know, I was pretty packed to the brim. And then Kyle flew out. And he was going to fly back. He's like, oh, I'll just go back with you. I was like, sweet. It's going to be an adventure. Um, so then I took Kyle and his stuff and filled my second trunk, which for those who don't know, if you have a power retractable hardtop, you do have a second almost full-size trunk that was also filled to the brim. So, yeah, not 50-50 weight distribution in this particular trip. Um, more more rear-biased, I'd say. Which you probably <clears> needed, <throat> but right? Yeah, so we left. It was like, oh, 16-hour drive. And then we looked at the weather after we left, of course. Um, <laughs> and it was winter, severe winter storm alerts all through Utah, Colorado, and Wyoming. So there goes those routes. Um, so south route it was because we wanted to get around the storm. So took the south route, which makes it 20 hours of driving. And I was like, oh, cool, we'll get to like... Flagstaff, stay the night. Keep no, we we drove through the night. So um hit three different snowstorms. Oh, and also I'm on summer tires. So we hit three different <laughs> snowstorms that I was not expecting. I've never really driven this route or don't remember ever driving it. So I don't know, Austin, if we did our family vacation like eleven years ago, but um it was dark. I couldn't see anything because it was night, which makes sense. Um and <laughs> usually I know exactly what happened at the like. same time. Unless yeah. if you're in Alaska, those things are usually mutually. <laughs> you merely so, adopt leaving the dark. <laughs> even even leaving California was that was actually really cool. So the day before, I was driving the Porsche Taycan GTS Sport Turismo on Angeles Crest Highway, which is the most magical road in existence. And then that day, it snowed up there, which I'm so lucky it snowed the day after I drove that road. And so it was crazy to see snow literally. In the hills above LA, which I usually consider to be some place that's like nice all year round, which it is, but altitude at the top of Angel's Crest, you're at over 7,000 feet, um, which is higher than I live in Colorado. So they got snow. I was like, oh, good. We didn't uh, get, we didn't see any snow. That's great. And then we got to Arizona, hit a snowstorm, which was freaking scary. I was driving like 15 miles an hour praying that the semi truck in front of me did not exit or get off because I was literally in his tire tracks <laughs> hoping for the best gripping my steering wheel so hard I think that's what kept me awake because I didn't actually drink any coffee I was just pure adrenaline and also maybe fear yeah. yeah fear and adrenaline yeah have you considered um, swapping your morning coffee for a solid dose of cortisol <laughs> so yeah drove all through the night um hit another snowstorm in New Mexico on that uh mountain pass north of Albuquerque and then Those are some um, great roads up there yeah. though. I really wish oh, you could have yeah. driven them in fair weather. They're so nice. Yeah. Uh and then a bit more snow in Colorado when we got back. So in total it took about 22 hours. Um I was up for 42 hours straight. Um just yeah. I was beat so yeah uh so i immediately put my snow tires when i got back so now i'm ready for winter weather and it looks great yeah. with the coilovers the fitment is very mm. nice much better than stock tires speaking of tires hey austin how's that tire video coming uh 
the what? <laughs> you know the tire video. You were like, yeah, we're gonna yeah, make a video oh, about yeah, like, these wheels. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, I also so, got new wheels and tires, right? <laughs> I did. I did get new wheels and tires. I think it's made it on my Instagram uh, a whole one time. Um, I, I so I did. I didn't want to post a lot about it because it was a process, and I'm going to make a video on the reason I chose the wheels and tires that I did for my car. And I was just upset because I had I looked through a over a hundred page thread on a Fiesta ST forum trying to figure out what tires would work for my car. So my goal is to condense that into like a 10-minute video. So instead of reading through like 70 pages of a thread where people just get off topic, you can just watch me talk about wheels and tires for that long. Anyway, Jordan, uh, speaking of delayed videos, how's that uh, part two of the road trip coming? Um, so... I probably mentioned this before, but let's let's just say the sequel will come sooner than the sequel to Avatar, uh, <laughs> but not sooner than the sequel to the Incredibles t- to Incredibles. Yeah, it turns Gosh, out I'm yeah, the only uh, person who's actually on time with any of the videos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can't break a promise if you never make one. Yeah. Speaking of. Anything, <laughs> anything else? Uh. Yeah. So I, I part two is coming, and I, I think it'll be three parts. This is pure speculation because I haven't even gone through all the footage yet. Um, but I think it'll be three parts. I'm really excited to edit it. Part two turned out pretty like better than I expected. Um, and I wished, I kind of wished I had filmed this West Coast trip, but it was so chaotic. I. Feel like i would have missed like major things and i would have been disappointed later editing it so i've already decided i kind of scoped it out and now next time i do a california trip i will film that and hopefully even have better equipment by then or something um but i i yeah i just need more cameras um like i so i, I got a gopro video of the miata doing i was doing um san gabriel canyon north of la so I'm excited. I'll post that up, I think, just as like a POV video, just for kicks and giggles. I don't know. Um, and I wish I had done that first, Angel's Crest, because Angel's Crest is the most beautiful road ever. Um, a lot of the other journalists had GoPros, but Kyle had them all with the Ionic 5. So I was just driving, which was kind of nice. It's nice to not think about filming, but that's something about looking back through the footage and be like, Oh, I remember that. So that's this East coast trip is going to be great. Cause I'll have these videos that I can look back on and be like, that was such a great time. And now I'm just going to forget this entire West coast trip, <laughs> probably intentionally forget some of it. Um, but, <laughs> but, it, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised how much of the West coast trip actually worked out. Like I'm surprised I didn't run into snow on the way out there. Uh, cause I saw some, it was literally coming over the mountains to eat me. And, but, summer tires and then yeah the even the very last day the tycon drive they gave us summer tires and i was like oh lord it's gonna suck for the people tomorrow and then um jack from savage geese just texted me and said their tycon drive was basically canceled because of snow which sucks because they flew all the way from chicago to test this car and then couldn't that sucks and it's because of weather it's because of snow in la like what um, so you just never There's know. There's only um, thing, so <laughs> only one thing I can think of that sucks more than that, 
and that's being 16. And that takes us into <laughs> our dream garage. <laughs> so I got a question for you guys. Two questions, actually. First of all, what car, if you could go back, what car would you give your 16-year-old self and cars that were available when you were 16? You can't say you have a 2019 model year when you, know, you weren't 16 back then. Um, versus, mm-hmm. And also, what cars would you suggest parents get their 16-year-olds today? So... Um, I'll go ahead and start. Most of you guys remember my first car was a 1972 El Camino. It's kind of hard to top that, but you've only gone downhill. I, since it, it, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I think probably what I would do, know, knowing now and like how much I like cars, I wish that I had gotten like some beater, um, standard transmission, like honestly, like a Volkswagen Golf. Like I think that would have been practical. I could have I could have had fun with it. I could have learned manual, and it wouldn't have been nearly as nice. But um, I think I'd probably do something like that if I had gone back and and if I could have sprung for the because when you're 16, and for at least us three, you know, we had parents that like could help out with like making the purchase and like doing repairs and stuff. So like. That would be the time to get like a riskier vehicle when you're not responsible for all the stuff. So it's like, why not get a a Volkswagen, a little older Volkswagen Golf GTI with some high miles on it, so you can have fun and really enjoy it. And then worst case scenario is you break down and your parents take you to school. You know, so <laughs> you know the, the privileged life. Um, and then I think I don't know today. Like what I would suggest parents getting for their kids, like I'm a huge proponent of like getting them into a manual transmission car of some kind and not getting them into something that's too nice. Because one, it's like they're kids, and if it's too nice, then your insurance is going to be super expensive. Um, but then also, um, like you don't want. You know, you don't want to spoil them too much, but you also want them to be relatively safe. And I think a manual transmission car, because it requires so much input, like the biggest danger to teenagers now is texting and driving. Yeah. So to everybody, not well, just teenagers. Well, yeah, that's but true. Yeah, especially people who are learning how to drive. Yeah. So it's like, why not remove that option? It's like, listen, you literally can't look at your phone because your hand is going to have to be on the shifter the majority of the time. So. Yep. I don't have a specific car, though, because I don't know anything about cars. Well, I share that sentiment. Um, my first car was a Chevy S10. Um, the first car I wish I had was my third car, <laughs> which I owned about a year and a half later, and that was <laughs> a uh, 2000 Toyota Celica GTS. Um, I wholeheartedly share the sentiment with Emmanuel, even though my first two uh, trucks were both automatic um, I wish I would have learned to drive in a manual. And when I say learn to drive, I'm not saying like throw your new driver on city streets in a manual with no practice and say, go have fun. Um, I definitely think there should be <laughs> I some I think that's what I did to lot. Justin in the Celica. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fun fact that we all drove the Celica way before Flywheel. This is just like half a decade before Flywheel yeah. Films was even a thought. Um, and now look where we are. 
That was the that could have been seed. what done it. What, what yeah, did that, it actually? That actually yeah. did yeah. start Flywheel Films. Uh, that yeah, was it. that was it. <laughs> um, I still can't drive a manual. So, but yeah, I think having some driving lessons and a controlled environment with a manual, um, and then it, it forces you to be a more intentional driver, not just the distraction piece. But when I was learning how to drive stick in my Celica, you have to be more attentive of like stoplights and stop signs and the person in front of you mm. and the people behind you. And like there's so many more things you have to be attentive to because you do have to shift. A lot of it at lower speeds too, which I think is, is kind of overlooked at times. I didn't even think about that because you have to, you have to anticipate because you, yeah. right? the car's not automatically switching gears for you. And I've talked with people about like like what's the biggest thing you can do to avoid an accident? It's like anticipate and look at what's going on around you and predict the future mm-hmm. to the best of your ability. So that's a good point. Absolutely. So if I were to have a child and be giving them a first car, um, I would want to give them a stick shift, probably front wheel drive um, for a few reasons. I think it's a little bit more forgiving if you like just dump the clutch in a front wheel drive car. It, you're less likely to get the tail end out and go find them in a ditch somewhere. Um, and also because if you live in an area where there's snow, it's, it's definitely easier to uh, handle front wheel drive snow with less grip than a rear wheel drive snow with less grip with not a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, probably in that 95 to 2005, there's so many cool little cars like my Celica GTX GTS, uh, there's Acura RSXs in that. Just a Honda Civic or a Corolla from that time frame is really good. And I choose that era specifically because price and insurance, they're cheap and they'd probably be very cheap to insure. And they're, that's before a lot of the like technology started to make its way into the car. So it'd be f- super easy to work on and do maintenance on. Um, very, very simple to to operate and to um to get under the hood of so uh, that right. is my choice uh if i if i could do it again i'd probably get a honda prelude mm. if like i was living vicariously through my child because that was the first <laughs> car that i always wanted for some reason so yeah. jordan what would you pick just kidding we already know what you're gonna choose um yeah i'll, I'll reply with an acronym <laughs> m-i-a-t-a which does spell Miata, but it also stands for Miata is always the answer. Um, and that would probably be my answer in both regards. I I do wish my first car was um, actually an NA Miata. I wish it had been, you know, basically what your, what, fifth, eighth, what, what car, what, what number was your NA That Miata? was number five, right? Okay. <laughs> um, Part, well, to echo what you said, yeah, a, a manual transmission they can learn on. Um, I will counter the fact that if they learn on rear wheel drive that gives probably the most they they develop control quickly um because that is the most spiciest car it can yeah you can get the tail end out but it's such an underpowered car it's not too that's fair detrimental. If they're it's learning not, it's not a... giving someone a mustang gt50 cobra 350r that's, if they're learning <laughs> on something like a miata i suppose that's a that's like i had to try to get the tail end out on my na miata with sticky tires on it so that's fair. That's a fair point. Yeah. Um, but, and, and for kids today, turning 16, I would honestly suggest NC Miata. Um, and it's similar to NA. It, it, there's just easy to work on, easy to learn, all your own maintenance. 
very few issues. Like that's one of the challenges with the NA is if you're not mechanically inclined or if you get stressed by like a warning light or a noise, maybe that's not the car for you. Get an NC. They are very easy to drive. Um, but I will say that maybe a Fiesta ST or um, some manual hatchback from the last 10, 15 years, even if it's front wheel drive is Fiat also Abart, if you need more. Fiat yeah, 500 more Abart space. would be great. Yeah. So I, yeah, that's it. Some good choices. Well, I think we will call it there, my gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. If you have questions, corrections, commentary, or have some newly acquired money you'd like to offload, feel free to hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, even email. That's theflywheelfilms at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you enjoyed the show, maybe you'll like our other things too. Instagram and YouTube contain most of our content at Flywheel Films. Hopefully another video or two coming out soon. And my Miata has Instagram at ghosty.miata. You can find my Fiesta ST on the gram at kona.party.st. And I don't have Instagram, but you can reach me by deep sea sonar. All right. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. You just call yourself a whale? <laughs> Got you. <laughs> Self burn. Those <laughs> are rare. <laughs>